All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Meinke, Lions beat writer for MLive. Uh, joined as always by Big Ben Raven. Ben is back in Detroit. I am in uh, Tampa in the uh, press box. I don't know where I am. The, I guess probably <laughs> one of the radio booths or something. At uh, Raymond James Stadium, uh, site of a 20-6 to win by the Detroit Lions. Your first place Detroit Lions, and I'm not just talking about the NFC North, Ben. Uh, Philadelphia lost, San Francisco lost, and with that, we're six games into the year. And the Lions at 5-1 and one have the best record in the NFL. Yeah, and just undefeated on the road, beat three division-leading teams, beat the defending champion Chiefs, have won three in a row by double-digit points. And I mean, my God, you go through the Lions' like PR Twitter account, and it's like, first since 1934, first since 1926, and it's just like... Nine of those. Oh, Greg's been busy digging up through the stat sheet for the Lions PR team for sure. I know he loves that, but man, I mean, they look every part of one of the best teams in the NFL. I mean, it wasn't always pretty today, but it was convincing as heck. Well, it, it, it's just crazy, Ben. We, we've seen good teams, you know, good good components to this team over the years. They've had good offenses in certain years. They've had, you know, they had a great defense in 2014. But in my time covering the Lions, going back to 2013, I just don't remember a time where they look this full-bodied. This like I, like you hear complimentary football; it's a huge buzzword in the NFL. But we're seeing what a cohesive vision looks like you know the the last two weeks their offense just detonated green bay and carolina and i'm telling you man i don't know what it looked like on tv but uh, in person that was the you know the the tampa defense was the best team you know i've never seen this year someone defend the lines offense like they did it was really tough going particularly in the first half it was tough running which we haven't you know the lines have run the ball well this year and there wasn't a lot going on on the ground uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was doing Amon Ross St. Brown things. But outside of that, for much of this game, the, the, you know, the passing game wasn't even going. And then you look at the end of the game, Ben, was it 353 yards for Jared Goff? It, it's top to bottom contributions. And that's for me is like one of the biggest takeaways from this game is that, yeah, they got star players, but it goes so far beyond that in terms of the depth of roster. So that, for example, when you lose a Jameer Gibbs and a David Montgomery, Craig Reynolds can come in there and absolutely uh, destroy, um, you know, a, a defender um, on a block and spring St. Brown for the touchdown. And it was a 3-3 game at that point, Ben. And it was 10-3 at the half because of that play. And um, they put some distance between them and Tampa in the second half. But it was we just saw so many contributions from the middle and bottom parts of the roster. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I say it's a convincing win, and it was by how they finished it, but that game was 3rd and 10, 10-6 game in the third quarter when Jameson freaking Williams gave us the full experience of his career on that series. I mean, the short pass, the drop on the run back, and then just like, my God, that touchdown. I mean, that's 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 the vision right there with J-Mo making that play like that. So just absolutely, just contributions. Craig Reynolds with the pounce. I mean, watching that on TV, it was like, holy crap, where did he even come from? I just saw Saint uh, coming back across the green. And I'm not going to lie, for a split second, I was like, what's the rules as far as like a block like this? I knew, like, I'm literally running towards and I'm like... I think if I'm going towards my goal line, I'm okay. Yeah. And I just said, F it. If I get fined, I get fined. Oh, am I going to get fined for that? No. Oh, okay. no. Yeah, you're good. Um, and I just, like, I saw, he saw him the last second. I just dropped the shoulder and hit him. And then he 
he, he didn't like it, so he went at it a little bit. But then I was like, I can't get a flag here for John. So, and then Saint's my dog, so of course, like I had to lay lay somebody out for him. That's my home. So that was just uh, pretty pretty fun stuff right there. Isaiah Bugs on the tip, Will Harris on the interception. Like you said, just this is the depth that we keep talking about, and it showed up once again today. And I mean, that's the, this is the first time I've ever seen complimentary football. You lose Montgomery, the rushing game dies. Golf throws for 350 yards and the defense holds Tampa to two of 12 on third down and the offense holds the ball for like 40 minutes of this game. So just, whoo, I mean, that's that's the stuff that good teams do. We said it last week. We'll say it again this week. Brian Branch was one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league when he was out there, Ben. And in the two games without him, Will Harris has two takeaways, you know, and, and he's not Brian Branch, but he's contributing while he's out there. Uh, Isaiah Bugs was a healthy scratch. He was benched to open this season. He, he wasn't practicing good enough. Uh, it kind of blew up going into the opener. He was clearly disappointed, and I think it's fair to say pissed off by the coaching decision to like not just put him on the bench, but but uh, not even play him, not even dress him uh, for the first couple of games of the season. And he's been playing really well the past couple of weeks. And yeah, I'm with you, man. That that was a huge play he made there with the, with the batted pass. I don't know if you could see on the TV, but Mike Evans was wide open. I mean, he might have he might have gone the distance. I think it would have been like an 80, 90 yard play. I mean, there was nobody over the top. Um, but Isaiah Bugs, you know, crowded the pocket, got that big mid up, deflected the pass, and Will Harris caught the carom. And the drive went nowhere, but it turned what could have been a seven points for Tampa into three points for Detroit and an early 3-0 lead. And in a game that was really a defensive tussle until late, later on, uh, that 10-point swing is is massive. Oh, no, absolutely. And, I mean, yeah, it was an ugly sequence after the, the, uh, the interception. But, yeah, they took advantage of it, got the three, and just like – Whew, I know. Just just thinking about the big plays in this game, it's just like even Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond. They they caught every ball thrown their way. They caught more third down passes, and it's just it really is impressive just to see, just to harp on it the depth. I mean, because that really is the story from this one. It's crazy to see the Lions run twenty two times for only forty yards and win by fourteen points, while Jared Goff goes thirty of forty four for three hundred and fifty three yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that is just. Ben Johnson, I mean, he just finds a, he finds a way to lean on it. They didn't have Montgomery there to lean on down the stretch. Montgomery wasn't there to take 25 carries and put this game away. So what did they do? They threw to Amon Ross St. Brown four times in a row on that drive that milked seven minutes off the clock. And heck, when that drive stalls out and they have to punt, Jack Fox put, puts them back at the two-yard line. That is like the purest definition of complimentary football. So shout out Jack Fox because fun of the year right there. I think it shows good coaching too, Ben, because clearly this team wants to run the football in general and very clearly wants to run the football in those situations down the stretch when they're trying to milk the clock and, and uh, shorten the game. But listen, the running game wasn't really working in this game. Um, even when Montgomery was out there, it wasn't going anywhere. I don't think they had a seven-yard run until the fourth quarter. Um, and without Montgomery, without Gibbs uh, late, um, they decided to lean on the passing game and and it worked. I think they that last drive, 11 plays, something like seven minutes off the clock. I mean, that's the half the fourth quarter. And in a game that's two scores, their defense is playing really well. And then, like you said, Jack Fox with the with the coffin corner to the two-yard line uh, to give them the full length of the field. I, I mean, they, they, they Tampa, I don't know how many 
plays that last drive was, but it felt like they had the football forever. And it, it just didn't go anywhere. And at some point, I looked up at the clock, and there's like 90 seconds left, and I'm like, this is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Tampa's offense felt like it was going nowhere all day. I mean, we talked about the rushing game, but Baker Mayfield had a heck of a tough game too, 19 to 37, only 206 yards. And I mean, let's be real, the only success – the Bucks had in the passing attack when was Baker was willing to take a shot after scrambling outside of the pocket to extend a play because guys like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are just going to get open when you have that much time. But just, man, just, I mean, I am having a hard time being negative about anything because, yeah, the running game sucked, but David went out, wasn't looking good when he was out there, but it's just like, that is a well-oiled machine. And it's, we've said it. I mean, that they're going to go as far as Jared Goff can take them. And it's just like, it looks like he can take them pretty freaking far. Well, when you have a guy like Amon Ra, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I'm looking at the numbers right now 12 catches, 124 <laughs> yards on just 15 targets. I mean, I say just, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of targets, but like to have 12 catches on those 15 targets. And a lot of tight windows. Like, again, I don't know how much it showed on TV, but man, it felt like every time he was catching the football, there was somebody draped all over him. Um, there was one play where it looked to me like I don't think Amon Ra even saw the football until it hit his hands. His hands kind of clasped at the last second. And that was on third down. I totaled it up then. On, on his 12 catches, he caught six of them on third down, and five of them moved the chains. I mean, the guy is just a machine. and. Um, of course, there was the big play. I think I believe I believe it was a third and ten um, on the on the touchdown on the catch and run with the with the Craig Reynolds block, three three ball game at that point. There's like two three minutes left until the half. I mean a ten three ball game versus three three in a game where your defense is playing really really well and in the end gave up two third down conversions and zero touchdowns. That's it's a huge swing and I mean it just it's. He's just clinical, man. Like I, I haven't really seen a player like him. I, I've seen better players. You know, I've covered Calvin Johnson and so forth. But man, I like to think of a player who's been who's that consistent, who's that bankable as a weapon. Uh, it really escapes me to think of somebody who's who's better than Amon Rice St. Brown. That guy is just so freaking good. Yeah, and it was great to hear from Goff after the game on St. Brown. I thought he had some like really nice things that made a ton of sense. Just like. I trust that guy so much. I It like helps him anticipate in the pocket more because he knows exactly where he's going to be. And like you said, he knows he's going to make the catch because I'll tell you, it showed up on TV because there were two of those where I was like, my God, he's in triple coverage right now. And he's still, I mean, just dropping the dime. No alligator arm St. Brown. He he don't know what that means because he is fearless. And it was just, it was just nice to hear Goff kind of talk about just like, he helps me like I, I can anticipate him. He anticipates me. And I mean, Goff's had some special connections in his career before, but it's like the one he has with St. Brown, like you said, that work on third down, that's that's elite top of the league best work right there. And that's a continuation from last year that's just continued to grow. The intermediate passing game has been really strong for Detroit. We've seen Amon Ra um, do great things there. He's one of the best in the league in the first 20, 25 yards of the field. We've seen great stuff from Sam Laporta. Not his best game today. Uh, four catches for 36 yards on 11 targets. Uh, had a big drop in there. Um, just not his his best game, but done good work otherwise this season. Um, they got some good pass catchers out of the backfield. I mean, the you know the the short area passing game is great. I think where we saw a little flicker is with Jamison Williams, <laughs> and we've been waiting for it and waiting for it and. 
you know, there's been struggles, and he just hasn't been on the field long enough to sort out some of the things that he came to the NFL with. I mean, it is, his hands have been a problem. I watched him drop three more passes during warm-ups today. I mean, that shouldn't happen in the NFL. He's going against air during warm-ups with his quarterback and puts three balls on the ground. I don't know if it's the yips. I don't know if it's concentration or what. And then the game starts. I think I counted it up. 27 passes from Jared Goff before he even looked at Jamison Williams. There was a short catch in there. And then there was a drop. And I know it was a low ball, um, tough play to make. But he, you know, Jamison would have done himself some favors by adjusting to that throw and coming back toward Goff. And I think that that's a play that should have been made. Um, and it was a lack of adjustment that really cost him. And man, I had barely written the note, um, you know, in my in my notes before two plays later, J Mo's running forty five yards downfield, and that play is so difficult to make, Ben. Like he's, first of all, he's running a corner route. Second of all, he looks over, he beats his man and looks over his right shoulder, and then realizes the throw is going to be short and to the left. So he has to slow down while turning his head back to the left. And then makes the play with a, a hand right in his midsection. Um, just a really fantastic play. Great concentration. And dare I say, great hands from Jamison Williams. And listen, Ben, like I, it doesn't, for me, get rid of the concern about, I, I have about him. You know, he's just too inconsistent at this point to be the kind of weapon you expect to take at 12th overall. The kind of weapon the Lions want him to be. But this was a great confidence booster. I mean, just looking at the way he was running along the bench and being celebrated by teammates and just getting off the schneid, you know, being able to make a play like that and build some positive momentum going forward, I think is a, a huge thing for, for J-Mo and for that passing game. Yeah, absolutely. They The cameras were focused on him and receivers coach Antoine Randall after that catch, and J-Mo was just like stone-eyed, dead face, just like you could feel just like that, like, just intensity and like just uh the adrenaline there's that word i was reaching for just kind of like going through his body like he was hyped up after that and nfl next gen stats has beautiful dots on that play i mean it's like reminiscent of kind of like what you've been seeing with the dolphins using with a chain and mostert and waddle and hill like getting him inside and using that speed to get to the outside 57 air yards on that throw jmo never got a yard of separation on him so this was like a legit changing looking over his shoulder catch and i mean i said it in the press room the other day he's terrible with his hands up but if you can get that thing coming over his shoulders he's gonna have a hard time not catching it because that's that's what he was doing at alabama and i mean it's just (laughs) two of his five catches are deep ball touchdowns i mean you see what he can do i mean it's just about putting that together because i mean that that's a that's a first round pick worthy play he made today and it was nice to finally freaking see him do something like that because it's like Come on now, show some life, and there it was. I, I think if there was any negative to the to the offense, it, you know, there's obviously some struggles in the running game, and it felt to me like every other carry there was like two Buccaneers in the backfield. Uh, I, I think they really missed um, their. I mean, really the two guards, right? Like, I, I mean, Graham Glasgow's playing some good football, but they were without uh, Hal Vitae, who's clearly still dealing with the knee injury and then Jonah Jackson didn't play in this game because of an ankle injury and it just felt like Coyote Awasika I, I, I forgive me I always butcher his name Coyote I, I love you but he <laughs> got a difficult name um, but it, it, it looked I'll be curious to see the PFF numbers on him because it felt to me live like he really struggled in the blocking game um, and it was hard sledding on the ground um, 
Tampa has a good defense, though, Ben, and he still scored 20 points and won by double digits, so that's a good thing. And I think a huge reason for that, I know we t- we, we've touched on him briefly, but before we get to the defense, I just wanted to give some flowers to Jared Goff. It, it was, at some point for me, surprising to see his numbers. I mean, I don't know if it was that way for you, but it felt like he was playing solid but not maybe spectacular football. And then at some point, I'm like, oh, he's got 300 yards passing. Oh, his passer rating's over 100, like against a really good defense and on a day when his running game wasn't really working. I just thought that, to me, epitomizes what the Jared Goff, has exper- uh, what the Jared Goff experience has been like for the last year or so, which is... it. Like, he'll have the occasional game where he pops, but usually it's just he just manages the game in the best way possible, avoids mistakes, keeps the offense churning, and at the end of the day, you've scored more points than the other team. Yeah, absolutely, and I would just say about the Bucks. I mean, that's a good defense. Like you said, that's Kalijah Kansi playing at a first-round level next to the behemoth Vita Vey, and Levante David has been playing that well for more than a decade now, and he was on an absolute tear with Devin White next to him, so... Being able to withstand that unrelenting pressure from that Todd Bowles defense, they adjusted to it. They didn't have the running game to lean on, and just, uh, man, he's the franchise quarterback. I mean, 353 yards. I mean, you're 100% right. I noted it. Marvin Jones had that diving catch, and it was like, holy crap, he's got 309 yards? What are you talking about? <laughs> this has been a Big Ten slugfight, I thought. But nope. I mean, he's, he's rolling, man. He's got to be in that MVP conversation, I feel like, too. Flipping it over to the defense, Ben, I, there's just not enough good things you can say about what those guys did on that side of the ball. It started early. It continued throughout the game. They they, they played a physical game. And listen, there were some issues in coverage. Like I didn't think the cornerbacks and especially the safeties played particularly well, but they allowed only two third-down conversions all day. They got the, the, the pick off the batted ball. Um, I don't know if they hit Baker Mayfield, but they certainly pestered him. Uh, and Baker, who I think was seventh in the league in passer rating coming into the weekend, 56.8 in this game, which was a, a season low. The Bucks had a season low in rushing. I mean, it was really just a, a very dominant effort from all three levels. I think if I had a single one get one guy out for me, Ben, uh, Alex Anzalone, I mean, this was he's been trending up for a long time. I think this is one of his most complete games, led the team in tackles two pass breakups. I think both of them might have been on third down. Um, that guy was all over the place, and we had a chance to catch up with him after the game, and I was able to talk with him a little bit about you know, his parents being here. His, his parents were stranded in Israel when the conflict uh, in that country broke out last week. Um, really a, a harrowing experience for the Anzalone family, uh, and they were able to get back to the States this past week, and they, they reunited. Uh, over dinner in Tampa the night before this game, and the, the parents were at the at this game. And man, Anzalone, uh, a Florida guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's a little homecoming. I have a house here in Clearwater. I, I train with all these, a lot of these Bucks players here in Tampa. Um, <laughs> you know, just, it just I played at Florida. My parents were here. Just yeah, it's just a good vibe going into the game. And um, you know, there was no way I was gonna play a bad game today. So uh, I mean, you could say that, but at the end of the day, I was just doing my job honestly i had a chance to catch up with the parents yesterday i went yeah i went out to dinner with them last night and then they were i was able to give them a big hug and take a picture with them what was it like seeing them for the first time Uh, i mean it's crazy i mean you think about it they're they were in a hostile situation in a foreign country oh this time a week ago and um just to have them here home and 
it's just you know it puts everything into perspective and that's where I was talking to AG at, or in, I think right after the national anthem um, and just like that put it puts life into perspective and uh, there are really some tough things going around in the world and um, you know just a blessing to be here in America man just a, a tough difficult week coming home to a place he loves to play against guys he trains with in the offseason and really 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 delivered one of one of his best games as a lion those two plays he made in coverage were legit they they have shown a tendency to feel comfortable with him alone on an island out wide and he continues to prove them right which is just I would have never imagined saying that after watching him in 2021. And I, I, I loved, I loved listening back to his interview after the game that you sent me from the locker room, just talking about how they're personally motivated to like make this team known for its defense. Like, yeah, we're known as a team that's better on offense than defense. And he kind of likened it to the Drew Brees saints and kind of the rise of Dennis Allen's defense in new Orleans. And just after the week that dude's had, I mean, just to continue what he played through last weekend and what he played through this weekend was just the opposite of emotions coming through. I mean, his parents were stuck in a hotel in Jerusalem seven days ago Mm -hmm. and they were in that crowd today. And I mean, that's just a crazy moment. I mean, the bucks you talk about, here's a rushing stat. The bucks did not move the chains on the ground one time (laughs) in this game. (laughs) What? That's uh, like, this. This rush defense is so freaking good. So I think I'd have to go back and double check it. So don't quote me on it. But as of a story I wrote like a week ago, they had held every opponent to that team's like season worst on the ground, and they did it again against Tampa. It's really an incredible streak. They have one of the best rush defenses in the league. I know there were some issues last last week against um, Carolina. They allowed ninety nine yards, but like it was even that game it was still pretty good most of the game. And it was lights out today. I, I was just thinking about this after the game, Ben. Like, I can't remember the last time I saw back-to-back-to-back performances from that defense like we have with this one. Green Bay, Carolina. I mean, they opened up massive double-digit leads in the first half. And, of course, there's offense in there. But the defense was lights out. And then in this game, Ben, it was really slow moving for a long time for that offense. Three points until the final. I don't know three minutes or so of the first half and yet your defense just got the job done uh time after time after time and even in the at the end of the game late in the fourth quarter your offense stalls out jackpot pins them deep and yeah the bucks came down the the field but it took everything off the clock everything and it, it felt like the, the lead was never even threatened uh, just with what they were able to do defensively to close out this game Yeah, to your point there, Tampa Bay's best drive of the day, 13 plays, 69 yards, turnover on downs. Like, that's the story of the day right there. They missed a field goal, got two field goals. I mean, the the Lions had them in bad field position all day, too. The Bucs started back-to-back drives on their own eight-yard line. They had a couple others behind their own 20, like we said about Fox punting them in the hole early. And, I mean, just to be able to just... Basically, just strangle them, man. I mean, the Bucks, they didn't have a, they had one series that went nine plays until the final series. I mean, that's just no, that's no rhythm. Mayfield was on the run all day, didn't get hit a lot. As you said, only three quarterback hits, but just Aaron Glenn is feeling himself too right now. Remember the questions about Aaron Glenn coming out of Seattle? And now here we are. <laughs> and credit to Dan Campbell for never wavering either, because clearly, they were right, you know. I mean, I think there was personnel deficiencies, and we kind of knew that, but when the numbers are so bad as they were for a couple of years, you just don't know. 
and and now I think we know. I mean, that unit is playing like one of the best in the league. I, I wouldn't call it elite, but it's like it's good enough to win with. And when you pair something that like that with an offense that can pass the ball, it can run the ball. You got the vertical passing game going now. I mean, this team is firing on all cylinders. They're doing it with injuries at key spots. I mean, it feels a little bit like they're inv- invincible right now. Um, and uh, of course, you're always one injury away in this league. You know, Jared Goff goes down or something. But like they've played a game without Amon Ross St. Brown. Like they've done it without both safeties in a game before. Um, uh, they they have to play without a couple offensive linemen. I mean, like they played without JMO for the first month of the season. I, like they're five and one, <laughs> and they've won in Lambeau. They've won in Kansas City. Like they, they just won a third straight road game here. Um, it, and by the way, the crowd was really pro Lions. I mean, it might have been fifty fifty. Uh, I was in the tunnel after the game. That is probably this is probably like fifteen minutes after the final whistle because I had to finish writing my story, and then. Uh, ride the elevator and by the way like four minutes before the end of the game they came on the PA system saying by the way the press box elevator is not functioning <laughs> so that was that was wild I thought I was dead I thought there's no chance I was going to make it to, to the press conferences in the locker room but I made it down there like 15 minutes after the final whistle which is a long time people are typically like finding their way out of the stadium by then I could hear in the tunnel underneath the stadium let's go Lions let's go Lions coming in from the crowd um, it, it just feels like this team is infallible, that it just has something, Ben. And after losses by Philly and by San Francisco, they have the number one record in the league. I guess, where do you stand on just how elite this team is? I, I, I still have them in that tier behind the Eagles and 49ers, but they are clearly, I think... I firmly believe this is the third best team in the NFC with the ability to beat either of those teams on their best day. I mean, maybe not even on their best day. This is the team that continues to punch above its weight class and the team that continues to challenge what we're seeing and make us feel like we're not in bizarro world because it still feels like we're in bizarro world. I mean, it, the Lions are an underdog going into next week's game and since the Ravens, and I, I found myself rubbing my eyes at that. Like, it's shocking, even on the road against a team like the Ravens, because as you said, it's a team that just continues to win and look invincible. Jonah Jackson is no small loss. They didn't have Amon Ross St. Brown last week and they scored 42 freaking points. <laughs> what the hell? They, they 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 had no ground game today and had like 400 total yards of offense. Like it's just they they are they are they are on that cusp of eliteness. They are very much in the conversation and they belong in the top 5 or 6 teams in the NFL when you're talking about who has the best chance to win the Super Bowl at the end of the season. Yeah, I'd like to see the Lions play some more heavyweights before I really, you know, make proclamations about how elite they are. But they're clearly very good. They're clearly well-balanced. They're clearly very deep. And that's a very, very good combination in the NFL. And when you're in a weak division like they are in the North, um, you're going to go places. I mean, this team is going to host a playoff game. That's where we're headed. We're talking about seeding at this point. And by the way, they just beat the Bucks, so they have a head-to-head tiebreaker against the Bucks, who led the South coming into today. I have no idea where they stand now because it's late at night. Um, but... I think they look like a team that's probably a cusp below, a, a little bit below San Francisco, for example, um, but are trending in a direction where they could give them a run. You know, I don't know. I think I would take San Francisco in a matchup with Detroit, but 
Detroit looks like a team that could contend with the 49ers and one of the few teams that could. I think Philadelphia could be a real problem for Detroit given the mobility of the quarterback. That's something that's always given them fits. But again, we've seen so much progress from um, Detroit in that, you know, with that defense. You never know, man. Like watching what they've done to Baker this week, what they did last week to Bryce Young. I mean, they're just killing folks right now. I, I, when I <laughs> you had a little visitor come behind you there, I had the janitor come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how late it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny for me to watch unfold. Uh, <laughs> I was really trying to keep my concentration. <laughs> Man, when I think about a Lions 49ers matchup and I look what the Browns did to the 49ers today, and I know the Niners had a lot of injuries across the board, but like I believe in Aaron Glenn's ability to get after a quarterback like Brock Purdy. Like, obviously, the McCaffrey factor is another element. Like, the Lions have not faced a running back on Christian McCaffrey's level this year. He's proven himself to be in that kind of territory on his own all over again but like they hey there's not you you can't tell me the 49ers would blow that team out of the water at home or on the road and that's just it's just coming to grips with the fact that this team is real this defense might not be elite but my god they are tough to freaking run against when they're playing like this and on their p's and q's i mean they're still down some pieces on that defense and playing like this and it's just what happens when they're at full strength? Yeah. Who knows, man? I, I mean, they're just so good in so many different ways, and they've done it with so many guys being banged up in the first uh, six weeks of the season. It's I just this is listen. I'm a I'm a Lions beat writer. I'm not accustomed to this kind of thing, so I have no experience in this department. And even in the best years that I covered, 2016 was pretty good. 2014 was the best team that I covered. Like they were really good in certain areas, but had like fatal flaws. You know, like what's what is this team's fatal flaw? I, I don't know. I don't know that they have one. They're not a perfect team, and they have things to work on. I think maybe the the vertical passing game. Uh, I think the best defenses will be able to crowd the box a little bit. Maybe take away Amon Ra. Uh, we've seen some effective defenses against Jameer Gibbs that's something they have to game plan through so you know getting the vertical passing game going I think is paramount to kind of you know hitting the gear that Ben Johnson wants on that side of the ball but we're splitting hairs here I mean this is a team that can do everything pretty well and you take away one thing they'll hit you with another and we saw that in Tampa I mean I think that's a good way to wrap this up is you know that Tampa hit them hard man that that defense is for real and they still racked up like 400 yards of offense and won by two touchdowns. Um, that's that's Detroit Lions football this year, man. That's unbelievable. Like, you talk about never seeing that. I think I watched like 12 wins in my first four years on the beat. So, yeah, I'm definitely just like, it's unbelievable. I mean, that's the perfect note to end on. Exactly. That was a ferocious, unrelenting defense. And the Lions stood in there, found the rhythm, and came out looking like real problems in the NFC. We'll be back uh, probably around Wednesday on the podcast with put in the mailbag. Make sure you get those questions in via the uh, insider texting program and the information for that and sign up can always be found on any Lions story in MLive. And then I'll be back in Baltimore next week for the Lions, your first place Detroit Lions uh, in Baltimore against the Ravens. Um, I'll try to remember to pack my mic this time, Ben, so I don't have to use my <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> poor first time poor, without me poor patrick our producer man putting in ot all right that's what we got ben good stuff we'll be back uh, midweek with a uh, mailbag <laughs>